You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. This podcast is on training an effective secretarial staff with Mrs. Lisa Stoner. The Stoners have been members of Lancaster Baptist Church for nearly 25 years. Mrs. Stoner has worked in the church office for over 18 years, where she coordinates and oversees the secretarial staff and teaches part-time at West Coast Baptist College. Exodus 18.20 And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them in the way wherein thou must walk, or they must walk, and the work that they must do. And that's the key phrase there, um, that you shalt show them the way um, wherein they must walk. The, the concept that I'm going to get, try to get across today is um, teaching, training, overseeing secretarial staff, whether they're paid or whether they're volunteer, really involves getting in there yourself and being involved. And that's, that's really what we're going to talk about today. Uh, someone has said good leaders know the way, go the way, and show the way. And that's, that's where we're headed um, today. Now, if you're like me, uh, a leadership role is uncomfortable for you. You know, you just want to do your job. And then all of a sudden here comes all these little um, uh, hens behind you or chicks that you're supposed to help and lead and, and encourage. And you're like, yeah, what do I do with them, you know? And the most, one of the most important things you can start with is to accept the role that your pastors put you in, if it's a leadership role of some kind. We can say, I don't want that. But whether you say you don't want it or not, you have it. So em- embrace it and say, okay, this is where the pastor wants me. He believes in me. Maybe I can believe in myself a little bit. <laughs> and ask the Lord to help you embrace the role that, that your pastors asked you to lead. So if you head into your outline, um, which I th- you've probably all found that in section 15 of your, of your um, book by now, I'm sure you have its page, page, is it? page 18.1 in track 5, track 15. Um, so as a leader, first of all, I'm going to give you six characteristics of a leader that I think is vital as we lead in the church office. Um, number one is coach. And I, a coach is someone who brings out the best in others. And you think about your role in the office and bringing other people around you. Um, a coach uh, gives feedback. A coach communicates uh, a coach establishes standards and rules for the team. A coach encourages the team to practice. Um, a coach encourages that gives suggestions and helps and corrects. And you think of your role uh, with people around you as coach. Another role, number two, is mentor. A mentor is a trusted guide. I think many of you uh, have maybe younger teenagers in your church or newly saved people in your church who need to you to develop a relationship with them so that you can gently guide them in the right direction. You can give them input and feedback in their life. You can develop a relationship with you, and they'll watch you, which to me is one of the most humbling things in life is that somebody would be watching me. Uh, and, uh, but a mentor is a trusted guide. So a leader is a coach, a mentor. Number three, a teacher. This is a primary responsibility of what you're doing in your church office with 
imparting skills to staff. A teacher imparts new skills. Um, it's not always easy to find the balance between let me show you and get out of the way, I'll do it myself. I, I, I understand that. <laughs> but your staff, those who help you, need to know, they, they need to know how and why along with what. Because if they don't know how and why, then when you're not there, they can't do it. They're just a robot. And that's what a teacher does. Uh, so as a leader, we need to be a coach, a mentor, a teacher. Number four, we're like a parent. Um, and that's parents set limits. Uh, managers are, uh, in your office need to establish boundaries and um, organization for their staff. People will try to push those limits. We have to enforce them. It involves training in behavior. Sometimes, you know, you think about your role as a parent. How many of your parents? And you really do need those same skills in the office and the people that you're working with. So as, as a leader, coach, mentor, teacher, parent, number five is a mediator. We are ladies. Sometimes we need to be mediated. Um, <laughs> but, you know, me mediation means coming to a compromise. So there's opinions, there's personalities, there's procedures, there's my way and her way. Mediated, mediating is compromising so that the job gets done the way the pastor wants it done. And we have to do that in our offices in, in part of our role. And then number six is cheerleader, uh, rallying the troops, being um, the one who says, let's get it done, you can do it. And, and the people who come around you in the office need that from somebody, and in your leadership role, um, that's what your pastor's asked you to do, to be an encourager, uh, to be a motivator, to be um, noticing what they're doing and encourage them. Okay, so these are six things that we need to be helping with. Now, let's talk about some specifics of doing that, um, which is the second part of the outline. Is, so as a leader, we have these six characteristics that we want to impart. Now, as a trainer, what do we need to be? Um, as a trainer of people. Now, again, I know many of you have told me you are the only church secretary, so that means the people that you're gathering around you primarily are volunteers. And, and there are, I promise you, there are people in your church who want to help you. They just are waiting to be asked. Now, we would wish they don't have to wait for this, for us to ask, and we wish they'd just come, and oftentimes they do come and, and ask. But there are ladies who, um, their kids are in school all day, their, 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 their husband's a shift worker, maybe. He's not home in the evening. There are ladies who would, you know, for years and years, I don't, I, don't, I don't do it now, but for years and years I did the church bulletin. And I, I had days when I took it home and folded it. My children, all, we all put piles on the floor and we folded them all and stuffed all the inserts. But the majority of the years, we ha I had ladies in the church who stuffed. And today we have ladies who stuff our bulletin. All the inserts that go in our bulletin are stuffed by a team of ladies. And there are ladies in your, you know, they, they can do it at home. They pick them up on Friday. They bring them back on Saturday. Bulletin's done. And many, many of the tasks that you do um, can be done by volunteers. And I, wanted, I want you to think that way. Whether your team is, a, is another paid staff member, a full-time, a part-time, or volunteers, um, these, these principles apply. So as a trainer, you need to be number one. Start with yourself. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself to approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of, the word of truth. And of course, as a leader, as the staff member, um, we need to, to, to know what we're doing ourselves. Uh, you need to know what you're doing. You need to know your job. You need to know your pastor's heart. You need to know how he would want it done. You can't lead and train if you don't really know what it is. 
Um, I challenge you to, to inc uh, continue to improve in your skills. Read. I read all the time. Uh, I read books. I read about office procedures. I read about leadership. I read about books for ladies. I read about discipline. I read about organization. I read all the time. And, and a lot of books, you know, eh, that one wasn't so great. But if there's one or two things in it that helps me, it's good. And it, and it always has reminders in it that I need. Even if it's I, I knew it before, the reminder is something that's timely for me, usually. Um, challenge yourself to grow, improve, and learn. Be confident. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times, the, the, one of the worst things that you can do to discourage people around you is to be the kind of person who says, well, I'm not, I never, I'm not good, don't follow me. And they won't follow you. Ask the Lord to help you be confident. Um, and the way to be confident is to know what you're doing. Um, continue to work on your, your skills. Work on your organizational skills. Work on your time management skills. Be a good example. That's really the bottom line there. Number one, start with yourself. Uh, number two, model the behavior you want to train. Model the behavior you want to train. 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Uh, I always use the example of the nursery or the example of the choir line. You know, if you're, um, you're working in the nursery and you have three or four church ladies in them and they start about whatever they're about, you know, you can lead the conversation. Say, hey, tell me about your children. All of a sudden, people love to talk about their kids. Um, and then all of a sudden, the chit-chat about whoever they were talking about switched to their kids. You can be in control of that conversation. And that's, that's modeling the behavior that you're trying to teach. Your, whether they're staff or volunteers, you can, you can be the good example. Um, how, what kinds of areas am I talking about? I'm talking about loyalty. Don't talk down your pastor, any of your staff. I'm talking about honesty, um, integrity, uh, timeliness. If you're going to have a work party at 12, are you there at 5 minutes to 12? If you're late, they're going to be late. Promise you. Um, accountability. Be account are you accountable to the team that you're working with? Appropriate attire. Um, if you're working with volunteers, generally they're going to dress a little bit less than you do. Generally. They're not going to dress. They're, but if so, if you dress in a modest skirt and nice shoes, they're they're going to see that, and they're going to notice. You don't have to tell them. They're going to notice. They're going to notice. Appropriate, so appropriate desire, not a gossip. If you, uh, be, you know, I said you can control the conversation and choose what, what is discussed in your work setting. Be faithful to work in church. If they never see you in church, that's not a good example. And it could be because you're always serving, but you need to be in church too. Um, you, if you're never in church, um, you need to ask the Lord to bring some volunteers around who can help you so that you can make it a point to be in church. Um, sometimes we, we have to miss church. You, it's you and your husband, that's it. You know, I understand that. And you have to watch the kids. But most of us are not in that, that yet of a situation. But you need to be in church. You need to be listening. You need to have your kids awake. You need to have your Bible open. Um, and your, people are watching you. Okay? Um, we need to be helpful. One of my favorite verses, uh, James 3.17, in the middle, embedded in this verse um, is a great truth, James three seventeen. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the phrase I love in that is easy to be entreated. If you study out that word entreated, it means asked. Are you easily asked? 
Are you the kind of person that when someone asks you a question, your first answer is no, or I can't, or I won't, or why it won't work? Well, people don't want to work with somebody like that. Are you easily asked? Are you helpful? Another behavior we need to model is confidentiality. You should not be the information superhighway of your office. Okay, confidentiality. You will. And to me, it's, it's one of the hardest things that happens in a church office is to see and hear things that you wish you never saw and heard. You know, but there's there's a responsibility to keep that confidential. Uh, being a servant, um, I can clean a toilet. It's not a problem. Sometimes I'd rather clean a toilet than what's on my to-do list. Actually, <laughs> uh, be and we need to model being teachable. We need to model contentment. We need to model hospitality. Uh, we need to model um, common courtesies. Please, thank you. Um, in our conversations. We need to model consistency, First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, all, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. If you're the first one to faint in adversity, uh, you're not going to have trouble building a team around you to help you. So, if you, I, I strongly believe, and I've seen it here, if you are a good example and you model good uh, behavior around the people that you're trying to train. They will love you. They will respect you. They'll do anything for you because you are, the, you are an example of what really, in a lot of cases, what they want to be. Okay, number three, uh, model the skills you want to train. Model the skills you want to train. Not only do we need to model the behavior that we want them to have, but we need to model the skills that we want to train. And, and this one if you're older, this one's a little bit harder because these young pups come along with all these computer skills and you don't have a clue what they're doing. And, and that, and, but you do need to have a basic understanding of what they're doing. Challenge yourself to learn it and, and also because you'll, you'll benefit from it in your own work. But what kind of skills are we talking about? I'm talking about hard work. Be at the work day. Be early. Be, be late. I'm not saying you have to be you know, uh, uh, overworked or something like that. But you need to model hard work. Don't be the first one to sit around and have a coffee break every 15 minutes. You know, be there, be involved, hard work. What else do we need to model? Good communication skills. Um, You can't work in a church office and not be a good communicator. You have to learn to be a good communicator, especially if you're part-time, if you share responsibilities with other people. uh, You have to be a good communicator. I encourage you to be a a memo writer. Um, This thing went to sleep. Be a memo writer, put things in print, send a memo to your pastor, your team leader every day. Here's what I did today. Here's what questions I have. Here's what I'm planning on doing tomorrow. Here's what I'm stuck on. And, and, and let him respond. You know, Be a communicator. Um, now, remember, I read a book, and this was very helpful to me. Communication is a two-way street. The, the, the best way you're going to get burned with communication is say, well, I left him a voicemail, or I left him an email, sent him an email. That's only one part of communication. There's an action, there's an interaction, and then there's a transaction. Okay, so, and if that transaction doesn't happen, there's no communication. Well, I told him she's in the hospital. Okay, well, what does that mean? Just because I told him he's in the hospital and he needs to send flowers and he agreed to send flowers. That's, an, that's a transaction. There was an action, an interaction between two people, and then a trans, I, I took it, or he took it, or she took it. So if you just send out an email, you don't know if he got it, didn't get it, deleted it, ignored it, whatever. That's not communication. 
need to make sure there's a transaction that happens between the two parties. Um, and also, to be a good communicator, you need to be a good listener. Uh, I, I do an exercise in my college class every year, and I, I require my students to transcribe announcements that are made one, in one day's chapel. Go to chapel tomorrow, write down all the announcements, type them up, bring them to class. And I just laugh because they're all different. <laughs> they're all different. Some get all of them, some don't. Some say the wrong name, go see Brother Jones, they go see Brother Furso. Go. They're, they're different. And it's a, but it's a great illustration of the fact that we don't always know what we hear. And usually it's because we're not listening. We're in the room, we're participating. You know, how many of you have been in a meeting? I've done this. I've been in meetings with our, some of our staff here, and they're all like this. They're on their laptop. Somebody's speaking. They have no idea what's happening in the meeting. None. And then you ask them, hey, you were in that meeting. What did pastor say about what? Uh, I don't know. Because they're not listening. You've done it. I've done it. Your kids have done it. You know, we'd, but, I, but we oftentimes fail to be good listeners. Therefore, we're not good communicators. And these are the kinds of skills that if you can impart amongst those that you work with, you'll be a better team. You'll be better, more effective for the cause of Christ. So skills we want to train. Uh, be a hard worker. Communication skills. Computer skills. Be willing to learn. You know, we upgraded, a few years ago, we upgraded from XP to Vista. And there's a big difference between Windows XP and Vista. And I'm like, the first day that showed up on my computer, I just went, oh. <laughs> you know, but it was, you know, I'm glad I did, and I forced myself to learn it. It's very different. The menus are different. The screens are different, you know, and all that. But we benefit when we force ourselves to do something like that. What is it in your computer that you need to learn? Uh, you know, there's really great skill. You can do a lot with Word. You really can. You can do a lot with Access, with Excel. Excel is more than, you know, it makes a great sign-up list, but it can really think for you, like in the accounting realm. It can really do a lot of formulas and automatic calculations, and it can go from one worksheet to the next. And what is it that you need to do in, on your computer? You know, when's the last time you pressed help? You just might find something out new. Or what happens if I, have you ever said, wonder what happens if I press this button? Save everything before you do it, and then press the button and see what happens. You know, or go out and go buy one of those yellow dummies book for Word, or whatever the program is that you're struggling with. Your pastor gives you this project, and you have to learn a new program. What are you going to do? Go buy one of those yellow books and just start, start following it. And challenge yourself to learn to improve. Same thing with your phone. Have, do you know what all the buttons do on your phone? My kids know everything on their cell phone. Every menu, every everything. Well, do you know how to do anything on your phone besides put somebody on hold and transfer? It probably does some really cool things, but sometimes we don't even, we want, we want to do this or we want to do that, but we really aren't, don't even know how to use what we have. I encourage you to, to, to learn what you have and learn your computer and launch out and try something new. Uh, there's, there's maybe a program out there that somebody uses that could really be a help to you if we just uh, challenge ourselves to do it. And therefore, you have something that you can involve someone else in also. Uh, another skill that we can model is a good time management skills. Um, I have learned... Uh, you never arrive, of course, at time management. You never arrive at organization. You know, some people say, well, I'm just not an organized person. That's an excuse. You can learn organizational skills to improve, and it's really it's discipline. A lot of people who are poor organizers or poor time managers are lazy. Uh, and you can. It's not that you are or you aren't or you were born that way or you weren't. 
you can learn it. You can improve in those areas. Time management skills. Our associate pastor, Kerry Schmidt, he's an expert at it. Uh, he has books and dozens of sessions from previous leadership. He's probably teaching on it this year. Uh, he always does. Uh, tremendous teacher of time management skills. And his, one of his key points is find a system that works for you and use it. Your friend may have everything electronic, and you can't do that. Don't do it. Then don't do it. If that works for your friend, great. But figure out what works for you, whether it's a Tickler file of 3x5 cards or whether it's a Franklin Covey or whether it's an iPad or whether it's an Outlook or whatever it is that, that works for you. If you. When you find the right system, your brain will start to rest. <laughs> if you have a system that you don't trust then your brain will forever be trying to help you remember things, and you'll be frustrated. So find the system that, you, that lets you rest at night and gives you a, something you can trust to help you follow up on things, and then use it. And it doesn't matter what everybody else is using. If it works for you, use it. Um, time management skills, some, some thoughts on time management skills. Something I, I, I do teach a lot of that, but I encourage you to be proactive. Um, I, I've said this before at, at, in this kind of a setting, um, and you've all been there. You're all going to smile when I start this example. It's missions conference time, and the day before the missions conference, your pastor comes up with this really good idea. And he says, he calls you in, and he says, I want you to do this, and it's going to take you all day. You drop everything, you do it, and you go to the wall, you, you get a team, whatever. It's a, it's, a, it's a brochure, it's a packet, it's a gift for the missionaries, it's a gift basket, it's a, a sign, whatever it is. Okay, and you, you go to the wall, and you get it done, and it's great, and he loves it. Okay, now next year, you have a decision to make. You can go, man, I sure hope he doesn't ask me for that, because I really didn't enjoy that last year. Or you can go to him a month out and say, hey, pastor, last year you had this really great idea, and we did it. Did you want to do that again? And then it's not last minute. So if it's last minute twice, it's your fault. And that's what I talk about being proactive. You've been this through this before. You know, we, we give our new staff a year. Once you've been here a year, you don't have an excuse because you've already done it once. You've got to do it once. I understand that. But once you've, once you've done it once, now let's, let's be proactive and let's not. If you get burned twice, um, you need to improve some of those uh, record-keeping skills maybe that you have. But be proactive. Uh, following up is another real key time management skill. You need to have a system that pops up and slaps you in the face and says, don't forget to do X, Y, Z. Whatever that system is, okay? So be, be a good follow-upper. Um, we, we get this conference doesn't happen unless we do some follow-up. We ask people to do something, but then we have to follow up and make sure they did it. Uh, or we're in trouble. Um, have a, some, some sort of a to-do list system. You need to delegate. Ladies, you will die if you don't delegate. I tell our new staff, too, I, I, on a regular basis. We're not here to kill you. We're not here to overload you. We're not here to, you know, overwork you so you hate the ministry. But if you're drowning and you don't say anything, we can't help you. Now, the person who won't cry for help when they're drowning, it's usually pride. Or they're disorganized. But that's what we're here to help them for, too. You know, sometimes we, we don't want to say it because we're embarrassed because we know we should be more organized or we know we should have done We procrastinated. And, it, and so we think we have to fix it. Okay. But there, there are people around you who can help you if you'll delegate. And I know we don't like to delegate. She doesn't do it the way I do it. I'm going to have to redo it. Well, teach her how to do it right. Take the time. Bring her alongside you. Have her watch you do it. 
let her do it while you watch, make the necessary corrections, walk away, let her do some, and then come back and check. And then you won't ever have to do it again once you teach her how to do it. Um, more aspects of time management skills. Managing email. It's huge. Email has just blossomed or maybe multiplied or maybe, <laughs> maybe it's like a germ though. It just <laughs> multiplies and it grows. It becomes this thing that overtakes your life. Uh, learn how to not let email overtake your life. Learn how to manage interruptions. You know, in the ministry, interruptions are usually people. So we have to be careful that when we, uh, that we avoid interruptions that we're not avoiding people. It's not like you're working at Lockheed or Bank of America or wherever else, you know, and somebody wants to just come chit-chat. Usually the interruption is the form of a hospital visit or a person in need or somebody in your lobby crying or a phone call, you know. And you ha- you ha- but you have to see those as from the Lord. The Lord brought that person across your path, and that person has a need. And you, if it wasn't for people, you wouldn't have a job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, other, other skills that we can model for our staff that we're trying to, to train. Um, cleanliness, a clutter-free, clutter-free workspace. Um, avoiding procrastination. You know, why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? Don't have that mentality, because you'll, but, but people will see that in you, too. If you're always, ha, ah, there's a problem there, okay? Avoid procrastination. Um, another skill that this one took me, you know, I, I told you I used to do the church bulletin, and it took me months to really learn how to look forward. I mean, I'm, it's, today's Tuesday, but we're doing vacation Bible schools in two weeks, junior camps in four weeks, and I just had a, it took me several months, really, to learn how to look that far ahead. Today's Tuesday. We're, the Sunday bulletin is ready, but that's not for five days. So you know, it's hard to think of nec- what go, what needs to go in next week's bulletin when this week hasn't even happened yet. And that's a skill that we need to, to to learn and then to impart. I call it ministry awareness. You know, knowing what's going on around you, knowing who's involved in things, and sometimes we're we are very tunnel visioned in our life. We go to church and we sit there and we and we have no idea that there's a visitor sitting next to us or that there's a light out above us or that there's a plant missing on the platform or the piano needs to be dusted or the nursery toys didn't get washed or there's no blankets in the nursery because whoever's supposed to bring the laundry didn't show up. We just are obliv- oblivious. But if we model that with those around us, she'll start to pick it up too. So you don't have to be the only one that picks paper up in the parking lot and fixes everything and puts everything together and notices everything. So we, uh, as a trainer, we, st- we want to be a good example ourselves. We want to model the right behavior. We want to model the right skills. Number four, give written instructions and procedures. Give written instructions and procedures. And this is something that in the, probably the last 10 years that I've worked here and helped to oversee the staff that we have worked on. Um, I encourage you to take what you know and put it down into step-by-step instructions so you can teach it to someone else. You know how the pastor wants a letter to look, but could you tell somebody how, you wants, how he wants a letter to look? What font does he like? What margins does he like? What size font does he like? What, how about the spacing? Is it three lines for his signature or two lines for his signature? Does he like the date? Does he like everything blocked? Does he like a paragraph format? We, when, when our identity, our leaf, um, came out, we, the, the, we developed a set of guidelines. And so we have rules now that we have to follow, which is good. makes doing a letter really easy. If it's on church letterhead, it has to follow these rules. And that was a really great thing that we developed 
because it's here. This is the rules it tells you. This is the font. This is the font size. This is the spacing in between the lines. This is the spacing in between the paragraphs. This is what the margins has to be, and it's really great. And you can do that too. If you're using half size stationery, use this margin. If you're using full size stationery, use this margin. Make sure that the font on the envelope matches the font on the letter. Um, all kinds of rules like that. We put them down in print and we give them out so that everybody knows what to do. And everybody's not doing, you know, she's doing an italic font, he's doing times, and she's doing Helvetica. And she's, you know, it, it gives a, 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 a consistency to the, to the ministry. And there's all kinds of things like that. You know, the, um, you do the, they do the bulletin, you do the prayer page. Uh, we've, we've started all kinds of procedures for that. To, to know who called in and why they called in and how long it's going to stay on the prayer page and how long it's going to be in the bulletin. And, and you know, we started a few years ago a, a, a rules for what can, what can go in the bulletin. You know, because the bulletin was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and everybody wanted their thing advertised for three months. Well, you can't advertise everything. Your people are only going to do so many things. They're only going to be able to absorb so many things. And a, a, a baby shower is not as important as vacation Bible school or something. So maybe vacation Bible school deserves more in your bulletin than somebody. Now, it's important to that lady. I understand that. But it's, it, you have to put some of that in perspective, and we had to put some of that in writing. But then you have to regulate what you delegate. Okay, so you have, you have to be the one that notices those, hey, your font's not right on your letter. Would you reprint it for me? Or, or something like that. Um, you have to, if you're going to put it out there, then you've got to regulate it. Um, here's another um, part of that, and that is knowing what people are doing, which that probably to me, this is one of the hardest parts of being a supervisor or a manager or, or whatever you want to call me, is knowing what everybody's doing and trying to help them do what they're doing. Because I have my own things to do. <laughs> and what that means for me is, I, is, is walking slowly through the hallways. Mrs. Firsto is the one who taught me this. Walk slowly through the hallways and look at people. What are you doing? What are you working on? How can I help you? Um, and, but that means I have to slow down, and, and that's the hard part for me, is to, in order to notice what other people are doing so that I can help them, so I can invest in them, so I can coach them or mentor them or train them, I have to slow down enough to see them. And uh, it's a good, a good um, skill to learn. Ask questions and observe. Um, talk, you can have written procedures for mailings, for email etiquette. Do you know that if you t- type an email in all capital letters, it comes across to the other person like you're yelling. You ever thought you ever get an email and it's all caps and you're like, whoa? We I teach our support staff don't type in all sta- all all caps. You know, don't yell at people. And you know, we, some of our staff, our graphics people in particular, use a Mac platform, where the majority of our staff use a PC platform. And did you know if you pr- do a little colon with a, a close bracket on the PC, it's a it's a little smiley face. But it's not that on the Mac. It's a J on the Mac. So you type this email on a little smiley face, and the other person gets it, and they go, what does that mean? What's the J? You know? So I discourage things like that amongst our support staff. You know, we, all, we have a consistent font that we use in our emails. We all have a signature that follows rules. In our, we're not perfect at it. and not every, you know, We have our, our times, too. But we have, we, at least we put the guidelines out there and ask them to follow it. Um, Mailings, email etiquette, print work. We have guidelines for what's color, what's not color, how, you know, where, where we put the logo, how we, do, how we do things like that. Phone procedures. I just finished uh, five weeks this, earlier this summer teaching our support staff how to answer the phone, what to say, how to screen a call, what do you do with a difficult caller, how do you transfer this, what do you do in this situation. And um, they, you know it. You've been doing it for years. 
but sometimes we don't even know what, how we do it or what we do. Put it down in writing, and then, and then, you, can, then you can teach it. Uh, copier procedures, procedures for the bulletin. There's dozens of them. Around here, I remember when we first started a room reservation system. Pastor would be standing up there, and he'd have a whole stack of three-by-five cards. So-and-so needs to meet with this team in room 209. So-and-so needs to meet with this team in room 210. So-and-so needs to meet in 209. Someone needs to meet. And we, we were, everybody wanted to meet in their favorite room, and we ended up with three, three, rooms, <laughs> three meetings in the same room. And we had to start a room reservation system. And uh, there has to be procedures. You know, it's first come, first serve, and if you want to kick them out, you've got to go beg or, or whatever. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but give written instructions. And then, again, same thing, uh, you have to regulate what you delegate. You have to require accuracy and professionalism. Don't, don't let letters go out of your office that are smudged or that have typos on them or that the envelope's all crinkled. Redo it. It's okay. Redo it. Um, don't, don't let your, your church open a bulletin on Sunday and it's all got lines all over it. Um, don't, don't allow that uh, level of work to come out of, of those that you work with. Another big area for us is proofreading. We've grown tremendously in this area, I think, in the last 10 years with the college, with the publications. We have some experts in proofreading in our publications ministry, and it's helped us in the church. And so one of your, the second page of the handout, if you didn't get a handout, uh, didn't, not, is something we developed a few years ago, um, rules for Christian writing. And we just took common terms. Some of this I got, we got from the sword of the Lord initially, and then we have developed it into something just for us over the years. But is childcare one word or two? You know, it doesn't matter as long as you're consistent. That's why I tell them. You may have a preference, I may have a preference, but this is our preference and let's go with it. You know, that kind of thing. We went round and round a few years ago with, you know, children's ministry and ladies' ministry and men's... How many apostrophes do you really need? Is it an ownership thing or not? Is it possessive or not? And we made some decisions and we put them down and we try to follow them. You know, old-fashioned Sunday, is it hyphenated? Is it not hyphenated? Uh, multi-purpose room, is it hyphenated? Is it not you know, You know, hyphens are going away in our society. You know, like email used to be hyphenated. You look up in a dictionary now, it's not hyphenated. It's just, there's no hyphen anymore. I think they're trying to, I don't know what they're trying to do to the word hy- to the hyphen, but it's going away. Um, but just pick a standard, but then put it in writing, whatever it's going to be, put it in writing, and then give it out to your people so they can be consistent when they do bulletins and letters and prayer bulletins and, and print work. Uh, live stream was one of our recent ones. Is it one word or two? And we had to make a decision. Well, then let's try to be consistent with it. I saw some this week that wasn't consistent, though, but <laughs> that's okay. But proofreading. We have forms now. We didn't used to do this. We, we asked three people to, to proofread it, sign that they read it so that we can hold people accountable, one, so that we know how many people read it and who read it and what, what, what the process was, so that we're, so that we're trying to, to raise the level of that. Um, I gave you the rules for Christian writing. Um, another thought about training people, number five, repetition is the key to learning. And this was something, I don't have a teaching background. Um, teaching is something relatively new for me in the last few years of my life. And I was frustrated sometimes when I'd have to repeat myself all the time. But, but then when I started to, to put my put how hard it was for me to learn some things when I started here, how many times pastor had to tell me the same thing, you know, you, you've got to put yourself in, in the person's shoes. You know, you can, today, for example, I can stand up here for an hour and rattle off this and this and this and this and this, and you're going to leave here probably with just one or two things I said. And I'm okay with that. Hopefully you'll read your notes when, uh, over the next few months. I encourage you to do that. You know, you'll leave here with your cup running over, just saturated with stuff. But I hope that you'll put your binder 
somewhere over the next few months where you can pull it out and refer to it. Hey, I heard somebody teach about that. What did they say? And then you can begin to assimilate more into your life. But uh, if I have, like, we have a new secretary, we have a secretary who's taking on a new role, I can give the same lesson. I don't, I don't make a habit of this, but I can give the same lesson year after year. And it'll hit each person differently the second time because she's at a different sp- stage in her life. She has different responsibilities in her life. She has different struggles in her life right now. Maybe that didn't apply to her last year, but it really applies to her this year. So don't be afraid to repeat yourself. Uh, those, of, those who hang out with, at my meetings on a weekly basis, there's things I say all the time um, that they could say, but, but I, it's things I want them to learn. Repetition is a key to, alert to learning. They won't absorb everything you say every time. First um, Thessalonians 5.14 encourages us to be patient towards all men. Um, don't exhibit frustration. If someone, a volunteer in particular, thinks you're frustrated with her, you won't see her again. She, she will not be around you if, you if she thinks you're frustrated with her. Um, reinforce good work. Drop a note. Say a kind word. Praise somebody publicly. You know, if you say something, I do this. I do a lot of this. Hey, I saw so-and-so doing good, and so-and-so is going to go tell her. She's going to hear it from somebody else, and it's a great way for her to hear that I praised her if I didn't do it myself, is for her to hear it through somebody else because um, you've said so, you've praised somebody. Um, repetition is the key to learning. Encourage people when they learn, um, when they do well, and don't be afraid to repeat yourself. And then number six is be giving and loving. And really, this is the key to developing a staff around you is if they know they care, that you care. You know, no... Well, how's the saying go? Um, they, don't they don't care how much you know until you know how much you care. And you can have every skill, and you can have a perfectly organized desk and planner and to-do list, but if people don't want to be around you, um, you're not going to develop a team that's going to help you. Uh, Romans 12.10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another and model servant leadership. Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Uh, Remember her birthday. Remember her anniversary. We have widows in our church. I I encourage those, we have some widows who come in. We have a a new widow, a very new widow in our church who comes in every Monday and helps us with our Sunday school records. And I will encourage those who, who she works for, remember Next year, when her, the anniversary of her husband's death comes up, it's going to be tough. She could use a, a hug that day, not just a pile of paper. You know? and, and we can remember things like that, birthdays, anniversaries, special occasions, 25th wedding anniversaries, all those things. Be glad when the Lord blesses those around you. Well, I wish I had a new car. That's not the right response when someone gets a new car. It's, oh, good for you. What color is it? Does it smell? Does it smell like a new car? Whatever. Be, be glad when the Lord blesses those that you, that you are trying to mentor and train and serve. Be an encourager. Be a good listener. Stay connected with them. I, I always feel bad when I miss something. Uh, one of our staff, um, her kids are getting, they're all, for fourth ones out of high school. There's one in college. There's two out of college. And they're going off somewhere else to serve. That's hard. I'm not there yet, but that's hard when your kids leave home. And I try to be sensitive to that. Stay connected to her. Know what she's doing. Know what she's struggling with. Um, serve them. Um, they, they need 
you know, around here, I don't know how is it your church, but our staff, most of them don't have family here, or many of them don't have family here. We are their family. Where do they go for Thanksgiving? Is there a little girl who just came to work in your church? Where is she going to go for Thanksgiving? A young couple away from home for the first time. Christmas, Thanksgiving, holiday, you know, all those things that they're, they're away from. Be there, and, then, and when you love people like that, and you care for people like that, they'll, they'll be glad to help you till midnight pack boxes for a leadership conference. Because you love, and you're there, that's part of it. If you say, hey, I'm going home, probably won't work next time. <laughs> but um, be quick to apologize, be quick to forgive, and, and the ladies that, that are around you and that you're trying to serve will um, notice, very much so. They'll feel it, they'll notice it, and then they will rally around you and be the encourager to you that you are to them, which is what's so great about this whole process. You know, you give and you feel like you give and you give and you give, but then all of a sudden they're giving to you and they're helping you. And together, the ministry benefits, the pastors helped, things get done because you have a team around you that helps you. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was on training an effective secretarial staff with Mrs. Lisa Stoner. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.